in theory, the creation of that token would start with the manufacturer, right? So you'd be able to be able to say, okay, well, I know this thing started this. I can see right here that this came from tops, you know, hmm. and then you can have tracked that throughout its whole life cycle. You could also say, Hey man, I know you paid $20 for this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it ain't worth 80. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, there's the, the NBA literally hasn't played. You're not charging me 80, just $20 card. <laughs> Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. What is going on, folks? Ty from Breaker Culture, and this is episode 88 of Breaker Culture Weekly. Proud members of the BenchClear Media Network. Go to benchclear.us and go check out all the great shows that we have there. House of Jordan's Wax Museum, Pat Geek, all putting out outstanding professional content. Go to benchclear.us. You can find all their episodes. I guarantee you, you'll be glad you did because the insights that they each have, very unique in their own right. And I guarantee you, you'll walk away educated and uh, you'll feel better about the hobby. So go check out what they're doing over there, benchclear.us. Now, uh, real quick, I want to touch on the 2019-20 Mosaic Basketball, some of the craziness that has happened in the last 24 hours on the retail side. I'm going to break this down a little bit more in depth in one of the next two shows. I want to articulate my thoughts a little bit better on that, but obviously retail. Some folks in the retail side got slashed pretty hardcore last minute from uh, from some of their their orders. And so that, that's affected that's affected the market considerably uh, in the sense that less retail, less than expected retail is going to hit the market. So it's probably going to drive up wax prices even more on the eBay side. It obviously is driving up the first off the line, which I think ended around 660 bucks for a first off the line box, which is crazy. I mean, think about this. I, I believe six months ago, if you would have told me on a box of cards, a first off the line mosaic box of cards was going to sell for $600 or more. I would have thought, hmm, so it probably sold for 200 on, you know, first off the line, maybe 300. It's been flipped a couple times on eBay. The market's gone up, Zion hype, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, we're seeing the 660 mark at the Panini level. And we're already seeing these boxes being purchased for $1,200 on eBay. I just don't know where this money's coming from and what people are expecting to do when they're spending eleven, twelve hundred dollars on a mosaic single box of first off the line. I uh, I just don't get it. Blows my mind right now. Um, the parabolic pricing, as we uh, we mentioned in the episode today, it is it is out of this world right now. So I'll break that down in my thoughts either next week or in episode ninety. And uh, we'll, we'll dig into that. But today's episode is great because I think we talk about a topic that is probably on a lot of collectors' minds. And it it, it may be not so much in the sense of the sports card world, a little bit in the sports card world, but because of the type of, of new breed and, and new blood that we have coming into the market, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and blockchain are all terms that are pretty familiar with a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the 20 to you know mid 30 year olds i feel like that's a it's a pretty pretty common term now but there's the the more mature collectors in the hobby this whole blockchain 
and uh, you know, cryptocurrency thing. It's it's very foreign still, and it's it's probably one of those things you don't want to even dig into. But today we dig into this, and we have an outstanding guest, a gentleman uh, named Joe. He goes by Bunchu. That's his alias on on our Discord channel, and also on his own podcast that he has 200 episodes already out on his Wrecked podcast. He's a part of the Coin HQ cryptocurrency network they have over a million followers across the brands uh pretty outstanding reach they have in that network and his podcast is outstanding by the way uh, so go check that out if you if you have i'll put a link in the show notes uh but him and chamber do a great job of interviewing guests and educating people and kind of making fun of everything going on in the cryptocurrency world but today we talk about everything from what is uh what is the overlap you know, from a cryptocurrency investor to the new sports card um, collector coming into the hobby. Um, what is the overlap in terms of this whole blockchain technology? What does what he learn and what is he seeing with what Panini's doing and what Tops is, is starting to do, right? They just started some GPK stuff um, yesterday. So there's a lot of overlap there and he has some great expertise in that. And then really, what is Bitcoin all about? And really, what's the mindset that will help us uh, and the sports car will understand kind of what's going into this mindset of a Bitcoin investor. Because uh, I do think it helps shed some light on the direction, the parabolic pricing, if you will, of everything happening in the sports car world now. And, and it can show us some red flags and help prevent us from getting caught in this trap of uh, insane pricing. So we're going to get into weeds a little bit here, but I promise you we uh, we do come out of it. Uh, alive and you're gonna you're gonna be glad you listened through it because I think you'll be educated a little bit more on certain things you might not know and you'll have a lot more questions that hopefully we can answer in a future podcast we're gonna give away two GPK blockchain packs that are already sold out they sold out in less than 30 hours if you're not in the garbage pill kids I get it but hey look you get to go create a blockchain account you know a wax account a wax wallet, and uh, you're eligible to receive a free pack. Uh, thank you to uh, Bunchu for providing us a couple. We're going to give one away for a retweet on our tweet for this episode. I'll put the details there. All you got to do is retweet, and uh, on Friday night, we're going to select a winner. We're going to send that pack directly to your wallet account, and then we're going to give another pack away to the, the members of the Discord channel. Um, you hear Bunchu's story of how he kind of connected through the, the Discord channel, which has been super helpful. So many great new members. We're at hundreds and hundreds of members now in the Discord channel and, and so many good conversations always happening. The link is in the show notes. Go join the Breaker Culture Discord channel. It is free for you and uh, it's a great way to connect with other collectors. It's a very good balanced audience. I can promise you that. But we're going to give another pack away to the Discord members and you can find the details there. Um, tomorrow, Thursday, tomorrow, May 14th, I'll release those and we'll give one of those away. So anyway, enjoy the conversation. Go leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen and have yourself an amazing week. Joe, how you doing, man? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here, and I'm pumped. Yeah, I should be thanking you. 
you're the guy that's been uh you've been the hidden uh, cog in, in the wheel here for a lot of what's happened in breaking culture the last few weeks so i appreciate that I appreciate you even, uh, you know, taking any any of what I say as uh, advice. You know, it's um, I appreciate the the candidness of what you guys are doing, and glad that I can help in any way with my own uh, experiences. We were doing, you know, something similar over with our uh, crypto podcast network, yeah, and yeah. so um, glad to offer up any advice or trials and tribulations that we had as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a ton to talk about around the crypto stuff. Let's, let's, let's table that for a few minutes because I have sure. a billion questions and I'm sure everyone that's listening is going to really quickly uh, get confused. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, man, so you, uh, where, are you, where are you based out of? So I actually live in Pennsylvania. I've okay. uh, pretty much been a nomad my entire adult life. I've moved around everywhere. So I've lived for the last, uh, for the last 18 months, I've lived in Pennsylvania. Before okay. that, in New York and New Jersey and Chicago and Delaware and and Boston and all over. Have you ever been to the Midwest? Do you know what yeah, it's like I, down here? Okay. I used to live uh, I used to live in Illinois. I actually grew up in Illinois-ish uh, from when I was 10 to when I was like 16. So some pretty formative ages uh, in Illinois myself. So Midwest is awesome. Um, I, I loved it there. I think I would say for the money – Midwest is the best sports time zone. I don't know if you would agree. Uh, oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get that just one hour earlier and it ends one hour earlier. And I think the Midwest is the best sports time zone. Well, it's funny, like from, from a football standpoint, right? You got, you got games that start at 12 and 12, 15, which is like 30 minutes after church gets out here in the Bible yep. belt, right? Basically all the way through the corridor. And it's almost like they... They planned it that way. <laughs> we know we have to get those plan, families no? watching the games, and it's got to end right after church. That's right. <laughs> That's so good. It's yeah. a day of rest, you know? That's right. <laughs> That's right. So you um, you and I met through the Breaker Culture Discord, I, I want to say. Is that how we first came Correct. in touch? Correct, yeah. Okay. I think uh, – I, so I got, I found you guys and I literally, so, you know, you thanked me to start, but I should thank you. So I got back into the hobby after many, many years and I, my buddy got me like obsessed with breaking and getting into breaks. And then I was like, man, I want to do that. And so that's kind of how I found you because whenever I jump into something uh, or a new hobby or something, I just dive right in 100% and try to learn as much as I can. So I was looking for all and any podcasts that I could find. And I found yours. And I literally binged probably every I think every episode in a matter of a week. And at that point, <laughs> I think you'd had at least 70, 80 episodes or something. So yeah. I binged them all and jumped in the discord. And I was because I was using a, another parallel for you know, the crypto conversation is uh, Discord's very big in that uh, space as well. So okay. I was already using Discord. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to check it out. And then I think I asked you for some, I messaged you for some advice about something. And that's how we got chatting. The rest is history. And here we yeah, are. That's yeah, right. That's, uh, that's interesting. So you, are, are you a, a, you're not a group, you're not breaking yourself. You're joining breaks and you're doing this from the standpoint of a, of a collector. Correct. No, I uh, no, I'm full on breaking now. So yeah, we, baby. So tell me. Yeah, about that. we uh, we started right around Christmas, and we started me and my buddy that got me back into everything. Uh, his name's Rob, and me and Rob 
we're talking and I'm like, man, why can't we do this? And he's like, well, you know, I think it would just be hard to, to, to sell it. Like you got to have a group blah blah blah. And I'm like, man, sales is what I do. Let's go. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm like, all right, let's figure out how to build a group. And so we started where we break on Facebook. Um, there's, you know, so there's a couple big, uh, Facebook breaking groups and oh, yeah. we're, we're doing it that way. It's, I think it's awesome because, you can kind of do everything from Facebook, you know, you kind of rely on them, which is uh, tough, you know, and that would be the beauty of having your own website, but it's also easier to drive traffic and new people to your group, I believe. So, Mm. um, we started that in December uh, from scratch, zero members. And now we've got, uh, we're pushing a thousand members in the, in the Facebook group and we're breaking every night and it's pretty awesome. That is impressive and shame on me for not knowing that you've grown that much in such a small yeah, we, we, we pushed, uh, we just broke over 900 people in there, I think this week. And we, so me and Rob are big baseball guys. Right. And so that's how we got, you know, Rob is primarily baseball guy. I do dabble in a little football collecting myself. And so, you know, we started with what we knew. So we were doing a lot of Bowman and all that kind of stuff. And, um, we just, didn't want to take the risk of, you know, buying product and sitting on it, especially since we're, uh, you know, still kind of buying it at that retail price point. And, uh, so we didn't want to take a huge risk of buying a new sport or whatever. So we actually just brought on somebody to, that knows his stuff about football and we started doing football breaks. We're actually, uh, he's doing one tonight. So we're expanding and growing and all that kind of stuff. We just hit over, you know, I think 1100 followers on Instagram. So we're doing, uh, we're doing some things, you know, getting out there. Moving and shaking. Well, you could not have picked a better time in the hobby to like it's, capitalize uh, on momentum, right? I, how long that goes, I think is probably up for debate right now, but yeah, <laughs> good for you, dude. That's, <laughs> well, that's... what do you, what do you think about that? How, how long will it go? Uh, I, I think, I think the bubble's going to pop pretty soon. <laughs> I think we're getting yeah. close. Yeah. And I, yeah, I share a lot of that data on the discord and, and the yeah. Patreon. I mean, look, it's, it's, uh, I don't got a good feeling about it, but Hey, look, I, there, <laughs> there's some, there's some really good pockets that I think will be insulated from a big crash. But when you got, I mean, look, when you got products like mosaic yeah. selling for four X MSRP and it's not even, it hasn't even hit the shelves yet. Mm-hmm. Like there, that, that, that can't go on. Like you, you reach a point where you're kicking out a lot of the main street collectors, right? They can't afford this anymore. Totally. Uh, 100%. And that's, uh, that's definitely a problem, right? And then it creates rifts in the hobby amongst, you know, collectors and new people and, and quote unquote investors, if you will, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I could see it. I could see it happening. I kind of, you know, hope it happens a little bit because, just like anything, uh, it needs to come back to to, lo- to earth a little bit and to kind of you, you get that pullback and then you kind of keep on going, right? And so and then you got a new floor, right? Very, very true. Yeah, I mean, you, you <laughs> that's essentially parallels like any anything, right? Bitcoin to stocks, you you have to rebalance eventually. Absolutely, there needs to be a, a pretty solid rebalancing. So I'm fascinated though because obviously I've interviewed a lot of breakers. What what have you found kind of to be the most difficult thing during the first six months of starting this up? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think you, you probably hear 
the product part all the time, right? So yep. from from our standpoint, it's you know where we started from scratch doing you know trying to break on Facebook, and uh, we're buying retail Bowman draft prices. And if you're uh, if you can't fill it, you are stuck with it, and you know maybe you rip it yourself and hope for an Adley Rutschman, I guess. But <laughs> the but uh, I, I actually it's really funny. My buddy Rob, uh, my partner Rob, he he bought a, a box of definitive and okay. which is a very expensive oh, yeah. box and we just tried it in our group we wanted to see if we could do like a you know an eight person hit draft type of thing and we could not <laughs> so he's like yeah you know I'll, he's like yeah you know i'll flip it i'll, I'll just flip it you know i'll sell it back I'll, I'll break even on it no big deal uh he texts our group chat and he's like yeah so i might have ripped it myself <laughs> Awesome. And so he ripped the $1,700 box of definitive that he bought. But um, yeah, I think the product thing is um, tough to get started with. And I think just the actual networking piece of it, right? Like you need to find, uh, you need to be able to market yourself or, and, and I think the big thing too is uh, building trust with those people that you actually can bring into your group. Um, mm. and I think that's the biggest part, right? Like you're, you're, it's a, it's a hobby that is known for, you know, it's scamming as well and mm -hmm. not always being the most trustworthy, which is also a parallel of crypto that we can get into. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I think trust is a big, is a big thing for, you know, people to be spending their hard earned money on, uh, stuff that you're breaking and sending to them. So you need to be able to uh, show that trust with them and all that. So I think it, and then, you know, community is huge too. It's uh, that's what keeps us doing it. And us, you know, we've, we started it as a collector mindset cause we do it ourselves. So um, that's kind of what we hope to achieve with it as well. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, obviously I figured the product would be a, would be a key. I think that's what I first me. asked you about. Yeah, yeah, actually, I think you might be right. Yeah, how, how do you get products? Where, where do yeah. you send me somewhere, Ty? <laughs> hey. No, hey, but yo, I mean, that, that is... Distributors of what? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's the barrier of entry. I get it. It's getting even more difficult. You, As you know, right, it's just really tough to get product because it, like, I mean, again, sell them for 4X before it hits the street. So why, why yeah. would you break it, right, when you can flip it? Make that. Yeah, and I think the... Uh, so, like, what's what's been... Able, what's been able to work for us is, you know, from a pricing standpoint, we're very reasonable uh, compared to a bunch of other, you know, break rooms out there that are buying for, you know, the same way we are. And I think it's being smart about when to buy and how much to buy, right? Yeah. Like you got to put the homework in. You can't just, it, so like for something like Inception, we bought all of our pre-orders around, you know, those early prices and not at $1,900 after all the right. delays happened. Do you know what right. I mean? So right. um, that was, you know, because when you break in a product like that, that starts at that low level and rises at some point, you just have to say, look, this isn't worth it for our group. It's not the best thing for us for our group because you you know, a lot of these guys jump in and want to resell the cards and the resale value of the card is not worth what the break price is. So yeah. that's a tough thing to got to keep in balance as well. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny as you talk about community, I, I don't think folks that aren't, aren't into Facebook or Facebook breaks and I'm not one of those guys. I don't, I don't really pay attention to that too much. It, it It's really taken on a life of its own. Like there is some strong businesses that have built out of just focusing on Facebook. Yeah, because you get 
you get one of the hardest things to build almost instantly. And that's community. It's kind right. of tailor made for building community. And yeah. And I think the, I, th I think what helps with it too is, you know, like on a, if you're breaking through a website of your own, like you don't get that, uh, you know, you're, you on Facebook, you have the ability to be in constant communication. Right. Yeah. And like you end up, talking to about becoming friends with the guys that break with you, you know, and, and like I've become friends with a bunch of the guys in our group and uh, you wouldn't be able to do that just on a website. So I think it, uh, that was definitely the right choice for us. Good for you guys. What, where are you trying to take it? What's uh, what's the ultimate goal of breaking here? You yeah. Know? I mean, I want to, I like to build, right? So I keep, I, I've been telling Rob and, all them that my goal is a thousand members because, and it was just an arbitrary thing that I never thought I'd get to. And now we're, you know, almost six months in and we're there. So I don't know. <laughs> now I'm like, okay, well now what does that mean for us? Like, do we, can we expand? Can we do anything like that? And, uh, you know, ultimately I'd like to be at a place where we can, uh, you know, keep growing the group, start breaking more sports, you know, obviously for us, being a breaker and not doing basketball is probably unheard of. So we don't, we haven't done any basketball yet. So kind of expanding into other sports and things like that. And, you know, being able to break, um, every single day for the people that, you know, are looking for it. That's our goal. Uh, also, I guess my long-term goal would be maybe to be able to pay somebody to ship for me. Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> I mean, like that, if we're just being honest, that's the hard, that's the most tedious and hard part. A hundred percent. Well, it sounds to me like you set your goals too low, and I'm yeah, disappointed so. in you for that. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, no. you know, goals have to be attainable, Ty. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's right. You just readjust. New goal. <laughs> that's right. No, but I, I think listeners are probably excited to have somebody on the show that's not talking about just basketball because I think uh, there you go. a little longer in the tooth these days. <laughs> so, we could, so yeah, we could have baseball all day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think the I think they're going to have a season, right? They're going to do like an 82 game season starting that's, in July. That's what it feels like on the street. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. And then I think an ex they proposed like an expanded playoffs with an extra t uh, extra couple teams or something. So we'll see. I hope. Yeah. Uh, I hope it's the only way the Royals are going to make it. They have to expand the playoffs. There you go. Thirty teams. <laughs> hey man, come on. <laughs> I'm just. About to... um, well, so let's shift a little bit. Let's talk about what you do. Well, let's let's you do breaking obviously, but let's talk about your rec T stuff. You you have a a very impressive, fast growing cryptocurrency podcast network. Um, is that is that yeah. a fair statement? Yeah. So we. Uh... My, uh, myself and my other, I, I got my hands in too many pots, my <laughs> podcast host, Cha uh, Chamber, we call him Chamber, and he uh, he and I started the Rekt podcast and uh, back in 2017 or 2018, sorry, 2018. So we've almost been doing it for two years. And same thing, right? We, we kind of started building and building and we got... Uh, we're able to build a really solid listener base to the, uh, to the point where, you know, we were able to start kind of monetizing the podcast and uh, then we thought bigger, right? We, what if, when you were talking to these sponsors, it was all about, Hey, how many downloads do you get? How many followers do you have? How many clicks, how many, this, that, the other. So we kind of started thinking about, uh, you know, how can we get bigger without, 
getting bigger ourselves all at once, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where the idea of the the kind of podcast network came in, which is uh, really an idea of kind of strength in numbers, right? So we approached a bunch of the top, you know, crypto podcasts and content creators in the space, uh, kind of, you know, not the, the biggest ones because those are those guys are doing it on their own, right? But kind of that mid-tier where we could kind of make a conglomerate and uh, we were able to kind of share the wealth, right? The That's the idea. The goal is to get is kind of strength in numbers, right? So we now have 12 shows on it. It's uh, called coinhq.tv. So the ultimate goal is to have like a kind of 24-hour streaming type of network. But right now we're just kind of all of our podcasts and YouTube creators and all of that. And um, yeah, so coinhq.tv is where we're at. And the group that we have, we've got a collective over a million followers on Twitter. So, you know, now mm. when we're talking to sponsors and we're talking about reach like that, that's what we wanted to do, right, is be able to get that collective reach. Uh, and so hopefully everybody gets a little bit bigger piece of the pie. And that was the goal. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, obviously, folks know about Bench Clear Media, and we've modeled some of that after the way you guys started. So we, I can, uh, I can relate. <laughs> I, yeah, slightly to a very small scale. Uh, that's the goal, right? right? Though is 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 to be bigger than yourselves yeah. and get the bigger piece of the pie for everybody, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So what what was it that drew you to starting the crypto podcast from the beginning? Is it? I mean, I'd be curious to know kind of your background with crypto and, and maybe specifically sure. Bitcoin. It's funny because everything stemmed from sports, right? Okay. So um, it was, you know, for me, obviously as a kid, I was a collector. So that got me into the sports cards back into that. Um, but that sports got me into crypto. I am also, obviously, as you can tell, I am not afraid to take a little risk. So I am a little bit of a gambler and I was uh, wagering on some sporting events. And the site that I was using took Bitcoin as a deposit method. And I ended up having to download a Coinbase account to buy some Bitcoin. And this was 2017. So like literally right before Bitcoin really started going absolutely bonkers. And uh, so I bought my first pieces of Bitcoin at like $1,200. And at the time, I had no clue what the heck it was or anything like that. And I was just using it to deposit, make my uh, wager on the Giants. And, uh, you know, if I got it, then what, then what would happen was you'd win the wager, you'd cash it out, and then it would sit in my Coinbase and all of a sudden over the course of that week, the Bitcoin price would go nuts. And you're like, oh, maybe I should learn about what this stuff actually is. <laughs> and so that's what happened. I went down this rabbit hole on of, of crypto and what is it and what is Bitcoin and all that stuff. And uh, that's how I became so entrenched in the, the kind of cryptocurrency world as well. And from there, it's, it's actually fairly funny. Um, so my podcast host and I, you know, I found... Twitter and crypto is very big on Twitter. So like that's where that's where they hang out, you know, <laughs> like, so, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter and I was following this guy and he's like, man, I would really like it if uh, to hear a podcast about, you know, people in the spaces, stories that about how they how they got wrecked in, in crypto, like how they you know, what problems they had when they did this so like what bad investments they made all that kind of stuff and i messaged him i'm like let's do it and within 
three days, we had our first episode out. We've put out over 200 episodes now and almost been doing it two years. And we've never met. <laughs> and that's wow. pretty crazy. Yeah. So power of the internet, man. Right? That's right. The world yeah. is flat. So you, you mentioned his his alias chamber and, yeah. and yours is Bunchu. So t tell me about kind of the culture behind having an alias and yeah crypto it's interesting to it's me. interesting so bunchu is the name i go by even in your discord right and right. so that actually became that was a nickname my buddies gave me probably 10 years ago and it always stuck so a lot of my friends call me that for who knows i don't even know what it means like uh but so my that was my twitter so my twitter handle is actually bunchu bets and look at that there you go the full circle gambling twitter right and that actually started <laughs> out as my place to follow all my you know sports stuff and everything and that it evolved into my uh, crypto twitter account but if you go if you find yourself in the deep dark rabbit hole of crypto twitter uh you'll notice that everybody's got an avatar everybody's got a name that's not their own or something that they go by and it's just a very big culture of privacy and opsec and all of that kind of stuff and so you know you don't it's it's like technology culture right so you don't want all your information out there you don't want people to be able to know who you are it's a safety measure for a lot of people and so that's kind of what the but you'll notice everybody's got aliases like that and it's uh pretty interesting and if you happen to dox somebody is what they say what they call it so if you you know uh put somebody's information out there it is frowned upon greatly so that's the <laughs> that's the culture over there in crypto twitter so it's an interesting world that no kidding i mean there's so many questions i have as you're talking but when you say like the deep dark world i feel like that's probably the impression that the average joe probably has about cryptocurrency it's it's right. confusing it is meant for somebody that you know really wants to dive down deep into that dark world and I mean, it's becoming more mainstream, right? It's talked about, it's shown on CNBC.com yeah. now where it's becoming more of a retail type and, you know, quote investment or, you know, sure. all currency. Um, it's fascinating to me. So, so tell me then about kind of the culture that I don't want to say overlaps with sports cards. Cause I don't think that's a fair, that's a fair statement, but what is it that, that kind of sticks out to you? Maybe that's a misconception. What What is a misconception that a normal person has about the, well, I think I think you just said it right. It's like it's not this dark hole, right? It's it's may have started that way, right? Yeah. Because you know, I'm not sure. Are you familiar with the the Silk Road at all in China? No, no. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with that. So it's it's named after that, right? But so the Silk Road was actually a uh, basically a dark web marketplace where you could buy and sell, you know, anything. So illegal drugs, all that kind of stuff. And when Bitcoin was first coming up, that's what people used to transact on the Silk Road. So that's why it has that, you know, bad connotation, right? So it, because it's, that's what you transacted on, uh, transacted with on the Silk Road was Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And so it has evolved completely from there now. And obviously, you know, it's not about just Bitcoin either. There's blockchain in general, right? And the technology that, you know, Bitcoin and blockchain are together, but they're very separate. And you can do a lot of different things with blockchain aside from Bitcoin. And you can do a lot of different things with, you know, Bitcoin. Bitcoin is essentially by itself 
a peer-to-peer trustless cash transaction system, right? So it is essentially sound money, like gold would be, right? So if you think about what a perfect currency is, it would have to be, you know, permissionless, anti-censorship resistant or censorship resistant, right? Uh, you know, not subject to inflation and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you think of uh, what is out there like that now, and really the only thing before that that would fit that would be gold. Right. And gold, it fits all the definition of sound money, except it's not divisible, right? Like you can't go to the store and buy a cup of coffee with gold. And you would have to literally take your bar and you'd have to shave off a little piece and you'd put it on the counter and then they'd have to scoop it up. And that's just not realistic, right? But gold is a great store of value. Uh, Bitcoin it's divisible by, I think, 10 decimal places, eight to 10 decimal places. I don't, don't quote me on that. But uh, so you can actually do micro transactions with stuff like that. And, you know, that's why it's actually a, a, a deflationary model, right? So right. the longer Bitcoin is around, the there's only a finite amount, 21 million Bitcoin in the entire world, right? So yeah. uh, that's, it, that's kind of what Bitcoin is. And then blockchain allows for a whole different, you know, slew of things. Uh, one of which was pretty interesting, uh, like digital collectibles would be one. And I actually just got off recording my podcast with uh, a company called Wax. And they are, they just launched today uh, a project with Tops, which is really interesting. And they put garbage pail kids on the blockchain, which is interesting. <laughs> I saw that. No, that's awesome. Is that, uh, is that Wax.io? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't realize they were part of that. That is that is fascinating. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, even people, you say blockchain now. I don't think people really get what blockchain means. And, sure. And so may, maybe define what, what blockchain does mean and in, in the sense of the hobby. Sure. So the, the whole thing with um, blockchain, all it really is, is it's a digital record of transactions. So like a digital ledger. So much like uh, a database or a, honestly, like the simplest form would be a spreadsheet, right? And, but it's all connected by these transaction blocks and a transaction, the, the whole point of blockchain and crypto is that it's decentralized. So it's not controlled by a bank or a centralized, you know, entity where you can be, uh, your money can be taken away from you, anything like that. Um, but it also allows for unique keys and user keys, right? So the idea of like digital collectibles would be you can verify that something, the uniqueness of something, right? So for example, if, you know, we're used to talking sports cards, so you could take a one of one Mike Trout card and actually verify that it is a certified verified. There's only one of these. You can see uh, and what I think is cool is the ability you'd be able to see every transaction that was ever made with that card. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, imagine doing something like tracking price history on a card with a token on it. Right. Like that would be pretty cool. Or uh, for a collectible industry to put a, a token on all these collectibles so you could see where this collectible has been, if it's uh, verified authentic, all that kind of stuff that we do manually now with you know, Steiner or TriStar or things or witness, you know, live signings, but you could verify that all on the blockchain and it's immutable and never goes away. You cannot edit it. I, th I think it's so anti what we're used to 
Oh, for sure. You know, like, <laughs> and I mean, and, and a lot of it is, hey, we're, we're so used to, right, just this transition to the graded card market, and we're starting to see the the problems with that, right, where you're, you're finding... <laughs> You're finding that a lot of that's been invalidated, right? You got cut sure. cards, you got signatures that aren't real. It's <laughs> yeah. This uh, this gets some much needed stability for high end cards and maybe even just normal everyday cards. I think it's going to be fascinating. It is curious to me that Tops chose to do that with Garbage Belt Kids. Yeah, I you think. Um, yeah, I think, and actually, just you know, getting off of this call that we just had was. It was kind. Of, it seems to me, and obviously I don't speak for tops, but it seems to me like they're the experiment, right? Yeah, the, absolutely. The validation of hey, does this work? Um, what and and you know the the interesting thing that we were talking about on that podcast specifically was you know it's a whole experiment with tops because garbage pail kids are tops intellectual property. So how do you deal with IP on something that's trustless and permissionless and on a blockchain, right? Where it's kind of now belongs to everybody. And so how does that work? Right. So I could see them gambling a little with the water in the waters of garbage pail kids before they go full on MLB. <laughs> oh darn, we screwed up a garbage pail kid release. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> as long as I get that Joe Exotic garbage pail kid, I'll be happy. Oh my goodness. It's funny. <laughs> People asked me years ago, like what hey, you're doing pretty well in sports cards. What would you recommend that I get into? And I'd always say, go focus on Garbage Pail Kids. And they would kind of laugh. And I'd be like, no, I'm serious. Like, you don't understand. Garbage Pail Kids collectors are some of the craziest collectors. And they spend the most money of anybody else. They put baseball card collectors to shame. They So he was just telling me that they, they've sold out almost more, more than half of their initial run just today on the release in the six hours it's been out. So I don't doubt you there. <laughs> no, no, I would, I would have margins of, you know, 30 to 40% on a, a um, kind of rip and grade for a baseball card product. And I would see like 150% on garbage pail kids oh every single time. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. it's, it's I got to get cool. some of these. Uh, I got some digital packs to give away actually, if, if we want to do some of that. There you, you go. We're... Digital garbage pail kids. So. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You, it's <laughs> it's recorded, go. man. You got to give one away now. Uh, we will do it. Let's go. I got packs on packs that I just got. <laughs> oh boy. There are, I didn't, I didn't dig too much into it because I didn't expect to talk about this, but there isn't there, are they randomly inserting one of ones? Of each yes, card? they are. Okay, uh, they are just like uh, the Project Twenty Twenty. What they're doing with okay. that. So, um, and and one of the cool things he was telling me about was that, uh, you know, they did not do a um, set of like the rarity of the cards is kind of being defined as it goes, rather than being set beforehand. So that way they can, you know, the last guy that buys a pack has the same amount of chance to get a rare card as the first guy that bought a pack, which I thought was interesting. And they can do that with, you know, these non-fungible tokens and all that kind of stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, we need to plug this episode. When, when is this episode coming out? Uh, it will probably come out Thursday. So okay. that'll be Wrecked Podcast on Thursday. So I'll send you a link yeah, that we'll we can share. That'd yeah. be awesome. That, that's that's pretty cool stuff. Um, is it is it the same gentleman you had an interview with? Yeah, the one that I sent you. Actually. Yeah, yes. yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, same guy. So he, it's funny. He his name's uh, Evan Vandenberg, and he works for Wax. And he was uh, 
it was just perfect timing because I was going to send that to you uh, to listen to before this because it's relevant. And he messaged me like Sunday. He's like, hey, we're launching on, on Tuesday. Can, you want to do another show? I'm like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> so, perfect timing. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, so let, let's shift back here real quick to, to Bitcoin. And so um, t- tell me a little bit about the current state of Bitcoin. I, I realize like right now, you know, macroeconomics, there's a lot of inflationary, you know, context so we can talk about with the government printing money and i am sure that that is affecting the bitcoin movement a little bit or a lot you got the having coming up or actually having happened yesterday right the having happened yesterday yeah you know your bitcoin (laughs) do a little research there you go so i mean that's kind of uh that's the big news right so um if you don't know what the having is so i kind of mentioned it a little before right bitcoin is set up to be uh deflationary rather than inflationary. So, you know, when, as you were saying, like if the government just decides they're going to print, uh, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars in stimulus money, you know, that will uh, at some point, you know, deflate or cause inflation. And uh, Bitcoin kind of works the opposite way. There's a finite amount of them available ever. And uh, that amount is 21 million. And those get mined. So like they get made available through, uh, I guess, a the best way to explain it is these computers are validating transactions and the first computer to validate that transaction gets the block reward. And so that block reward started at 50 coins. It halves every four years. So that reward became 25 and now, uh, it went from we just had the happening from 12 to 12.5 to 6.5 bitcoin per block reward so what that means is every time a bit or every time a block is one that miner gets 6.5 bitcoin um, and that number is going to get smaller every four years until there's no more bitcoin left to be mined which the way the algorithm is set up now and you can't change it so the way it's set up the last bitcoin will be mined in 2140 i believe is the date or is the year so we got a long way to go but i think like 75 percent of them in ex- that'll ever be in existence are already mined Okay. And so over the course of the next hundred years, <laughs> the rest of them will be mine. <laughs> if we're around to see that, then something's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. I was just watching that show. Have you seen that show upload on Amazon Prime yet? No, I haven't. Is it is it good? I just start it's basically like you can upload your consciousness into like uh, you know, an afterlife and you can interact with people that are still alive. So who knows, maybe that'll happen by the time Bitcoin is mined. That seems like something a crypto guy would watch. Yeah, well, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, if, if you're still awake after that explanation, because I sorry, no, that was awesome. That was actually really short and sweet. I, I like it a lot. Um, by the way, have you ever listened to the Pomp podcast? I'm sure you. Oh have. yeah, for sure. I, that, uh, I was really impressed with his guest as well. Yeah, yeah, he's great. And and so to to answer, I guess your question, what's got like, why is that important? Uh, so that basically supports the deflationary aspect of what Bitcoin is. So in theory, in the, you know, mid to long term now, that would cause price to rise. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so as you see, you know, more of this stuff going on in other parts of the world with their personal, like their individual currencies, you know, Bitcoin becomes more and more attractive. Um, You know, governments probably don't love it, but that's... 
you know, that's, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, it sounds like they're learning to accept it. Yeah. Unless you're Venezuela or something. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is your, I mean, I know historically speaking during the having process or after the having Bitcoin explodes, you know, X thousand percent over the next nine to 12 months, what is your excitement level kind of this having you've been through a couple now, maybe, maybe three. Right. Yeah, been... so this is my I, so I've been around since 2017. So this is my first official okay. real happening. Right. So uh, there's been guys that have been around a lot longer than I have. So Bitcoin, um, you know, was really created 2008, 2009. And so uh, that's the math on that. The next having will be in 2024. But you you know, the excitement level is is high. Right. Everybody expects that the price is going to over the next year or so. Um, increased pretty significantly I, I you know it, the comparisons have or the predictions have been anywhere from you know a hundred thousand to a million dollars of bitcoin and you know I, I, that's that's a little lofty in my opinion but uh they're we at did, what nine thousand now just for context. nine thousand now and in 2017 when everything I, I would say when the bubble popped right the and we were kind of saying uh, talking about some bubble stuff before the <laughs> uh before when the bubble popped the all-time high bitcoin ever reached was twenty thousand so you know, now with having and all that, people are definitely calling for higher than that. But, I, you know, I'm kind of a skeptic when it comes to that. My co-host is the, the bull. I'm kind of the one that tries to keep him down to earth. <laughs> That's what makes your show so balanced. There you go. Such a balanced right. perspective on Bitcoin. That's right. Over there with the wreck crew. <laughs> but I mean, like if you're so if you're looking to learn about Bitcoin and get into Bitcoin and things like that, that now is a, a very exciting time to do so. My advice would be and just like uh, I would say with sports cards, there's so much to know and there's so much that you can that there's so much misinformation that if you don't take your time and slow down you could end up getting yourself burned pretty quickly, right? Uh, I mean, would you say that's the case in sports cards? I would. And, I, and obviously there's a ton more options. I mean, you're, you're buying one single item when it comes to Bitcoin, right? I mean, well, in theory, right? Okay. But yeah, so, so explain also... that then. What, what, what do you mean by getting burned? What, what's the typical landmines that you would advise people to watch out for? So as I said before, right, there's Bitcoin and there's blockchain. And so Bitcoin has spawned off into, okay, everybody wants to have their own uh, cryptocurrency. So there's over 3,000 other cryptocurrencies out there, right? So you'll see, you might you might start with Bitcoin as the gateway drug, right? <laughs> and, and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, what's this altcoin? And then you're buying an illiquid uh an illiquid altcoin that you can never get out of or something like that because you see these people uh, trading them for very high values and or making big returns. So I think so there's definitely a level of research uh, involved in that stuff before you get into anything that's outside of Bitcoin. Right. There's uh, like I said, there's over three thousand, I think now. And then two, even with just Bitcoin, there's a lot of crazy uh things you could get yourself into. So for example, there's Bitcoin Cash, which is totally different than Bitcoin. There's Bit, uh, Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision, which is not the real Bitcoin <laughs> either. So if you don't know what you're doing, you need to slow down and uh, 
and and learn a little before you dive in. Uh, make sure you're buying the right thing, <laughs> I would say. And I, I like I said, that's why to me it parallels with sports cards, right? For you sure. can buy yourself the wrong thing real quick and not know what you're doing. <laughs> so you're saying you could go from Bitcoin to some other alt coin to some bitcoin cash to all of a sudden you're paying 80 dollars for a mosaic blaster that's exactly right and you're like how did i get here what just happened where's my money how did i get here yeah so where would you advise people that are very interested in kind of taking the next step with bitcoin i mean obviously listening to your episodes binge listening to your episodes yeah well What's up? what else would you recommend they do where the they uh we're the entertaining part of crypto, right? <laughs> so we, we never claim to be the most knowledgeable. We, we claim to be the most fun. So um, there's definitely other places you can go to. Um, there, there's even other podcasts you can listen to. So uh, like you said, uh, honestly, Pomp's podcast is big. Uh, he does a lot of great stuff. Um, there's a podcast called What Bitcoin Did. Uh, that's all about Bitcoin. You can learn literally all the technical stuff, you, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's just so many different uh, different websites you can go to that have trainings on Bitcoin. Uh, I would say just stick away from stay away from YouTube. <laughs> that's what I would say. Uh, oh, come on, are, man. Uh, Bitcoin YouTube or crypto YouTube is uh, it's a place. I would I'll, that's what I'll say. <laughs> crypto YouTube is is a place. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of shilling going on on uh, Bitcoin YouTube. That's funny. Well, I, the only place I was going to recommend it in, in in regards to crypto was there's a guy named Mike Maloney, who I do like on and he, I think he has a YouTube channel million oh, followers. Well, you know, not everybody is bad. Right. But no, but uh, the point was he, um, he put it, he had this series called the hidden secrets of money. And he just talks about the difference between currency and money, all this stuff. But I think episode and that's, nine, that's was a like really crypto. important piece of it. Right. Is like, what is the, so when we talk about like Bitcoin versus blockchain, right. Yeah. That's, that's the big piece to me, right. Bitcoin is meant to be money or a store right. of value, right? right? And all these other blockchains and things really can serve as other tools for other things, uh, but they're not money. So like if you're going to uh, if you're going to invest in something like Bitcoin because you believe in it as a uh, maybe an investment vehicle that might increase or that it's really is true sound money, that's a great reason to invest. If you're looking for, but if you think all these other altcoins are going to be the next Bitcoin, you're going to be, that's where you're going to burn yourself. Hmm. That's good and advice. there's another website that I would recommend that I kind of started on. It's called LOPNET, L-O-P-P dot net. And it's uh, by Jameson Lop. And he's one of the, you know, kind of thought leaders in Bitcoin. He has a technical background, but he does a really good job of kind of aggregating all these resources. So you can learn about it there. You can learn how to set up a wallet. You can learn how, the history of Bitcoin. You can learn, uh, he's got lists of other podcasts, books. Um, so just a really great resource for everything you might need to get started. Lop.net. Yes, like L-O-P-P. Beautiful. Okay. Let's shift it back a little bit to the the merging of the kind of the Bitcoin investor to the new modern day sports card investor. Are you? Do you? See... I feel like you say that with such disdain. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I I'm starting do. to really have distaste for that term, and it's becoming 
the only thing you hear these days in the sports car world. I was listening to your last show and I, I could just feel it in your voice that you hated that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, th- I do think there's some overlap though, right? I think there's some overlap. Oh, I totally do agree. What yeah. are you seeing in your side then from maybe your audience or the people you interact with? What's drawing the Bitcoin cryptocurrency type investor, if you will, to the sports car world? I think the recognition that there is a lot of opportunity in both, right? Mm. Uh, But I think that the downfall is if you're just after, and like I kind of said before, if you're just after it as a money grab, you're you're likely going to fail, right? It's like anything that you do that you're not passionate about. You have to have some sort of interest in in why you're doing it, right? And so I see... I do. You, would you agree with that statement, or or do you feel like that has any any weight to it, or or am I just blowing smoke? No, I think I think you've hit you've hit right at the core of right? really so what like, bothers me. Yeah, and and so maybe originally I got into Bitcoin. Well, first of all, I got into it to gamble, but <laughs> but the uh, but you know I I started learning about it because I'm like, oh man, this price is going crazy. I could make right. some money. But I stayed and I've done 200 episodes of a podcast because I believe in the in in the technology and what it is and how it works and all that. And, you know, that's afforded me, you know, some other opportunities. And I would say the same thing with the sports card world. Right. Like, you know, you might come into it because you see somebody sell a Zion optic hollow for a thousand bucks and you're like, okay, I can I want to do that. Or and you, you start chasing you know, chasing the dragon, if you will. And then, but you, if you're not, if you're just into it for that, you're going to, you're going to likely get burned and you're going to find yourself not passionate about what you're doing. If you're, if you're buying, in my opinion, if you're buying a card and it's not something that you would want sitting on your shelf forever, then you may not want to buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? It, it does make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that that's the mindset I think that you have to have to to succeed in both areas. I think what brings people from both sides is that they there is similarity in the fact that there's opportunity to be had. Um, you know, I think with sports cards too, it's it's the whole growth of you know fantasy sports and all of that kind of stuff that uh, is just bringing more people into it as well. Um, but it's. I, I think the the biggest thing is there's opportunity um, to be had in both spaces. And with crypto, it's you just need to make sure you can identify the right opportunity from the scam, and you got to be there for the right reason. Um. Yeah, there's a lot to dig in there. I love the <laughs> I love the word scam, by the way, because I've, I've heard that a couple times today. It's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, there's uh, there's there's bad actors in, yeah, in both spaces, sure. I would say. Um, you know, would it, would you agree? I yeah, mean, there's right, a, right, yeah. There's a page on Facebook where you can go and it'll tell you, you put in somebody's name, it'll tell you anybody who's ever had a problem with somebody they've dealt with on a sports card basis. And so, like, that's nice to have a resource of, but it doesn't really always work the same in, in uh, crypto. And the, the thing with crypto, too, is, you know, it's such a new thing for a lot of people in the sense that it's different. The technology is kind of is not always 
the smoothest. Uh, it's, it's sometimes very clunky. Sure. People don't know what they're know exactly how to do things properly. So they might put their trust in somebody and get burned because of it. And yeah. so uh, I think that this, the scammers are there in both places. Hmm. Yeah. So, so I think in response to what you just said, I think there's an element like the blockchain we talked about earlier where you have this kind of the standard, this trust built into what we're collecting that it doesn't quite exist yet in the hobby to where it's, it's very easy to replicate and create a fake of something right now. And sure. that that's a, that's a very scary part. And I think we're going to continue to see that type of stuff happening even now, right? Even I mean, BG, BGS and PSA would probably continue to admit that it's really hard to find fakes still. Sure. Especially for unnumbered stuff. And I think what concerns me is that we have a lot of people coming into this hobby as, you know, looking at it like it's it's an investment and alternative investments are great, right? You got vintage art, right? You got all kinds of things that have been, have been all great alternative investments for decades. And Mm -hmm. that's, uh, I think if you look at the overlap between why some people gravitate towards crypto Bitcoin and maybe sports cards is because they don't want to, they don't want to invest in the stock market, right? They don't want to go buy sure. a CD or a mutual fund. They, they want to do something that is a little bit more relatable to their own life. And if mm-hmm. there's a way for that to grow and you know value, that's, that's great. But I think the trust thing really, it needs to be fixed. Yeah. Be and fixed. I, I think, uh, I think that's where blockchain could be a huge value to the sports card market and uh because of what i said before right where blockchains are trustless right like you don't have to you don't have to trust what somebody else is doing it is out there verified it's immutable you can see it you can peer into it i you asked what uh what one of the common misconceptions was earlier. I think uh, the other big thing, everybody thinks that Bitcoin um, is private, right? Or or you can't uh, trace it. And it's the further, that's the furthest thing from the truth, right? Like if I knew, for example, if I knew your wallet address, I could go look up right now and see how much Bitcoin you had in that wallet, right? So it's, it's the exact opposite of untraceable. So hmm. when you think about that, what does that mean, right? That means if you have a token, so when I say token, I'm talking about something different from Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin's the cash version, right? Like the, it's money. And the token would be the vehicle that some of these other companies are working on that can, um, you know, act as a contract or a, uh, a ledger for an item, right? So if when I say token, it's basically, you know, how... If you have a PSA card now, you have the uh, you can see the QR code on the back. Yep. So it would be similar to what that is. It would look you would be able to scan your item. You would be able to then it would bring up you know in your wallet there every transaction that that card has ever had. Everybody every wallet address that's ever owned it. Right. So you could literally verify ownership throughout its entire life cycle. So from okay, is it a fake? You in theory, the creation of that token would start with the manufacturer, right? So you'd be able to be able to say, okay, well, I know this thing started this. I can see right here that this came from tops, you know, Hmm. and then you can have tracked that throughout its whole life cycle. You could also say, Hey man, I know you paid $20 for this. (laughs) 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 It ain't worth 80. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> there's the the NBA literally hasn't played. You're not charging me any just twenty dollar card. <laughs> That's so funny. But for anyone that listens to that kind of the the theory and the the mindset behind blockchain and does not think we're going in that direction is crazy. Like that, that's where so I was going to ask, do you like, how, how do you see that really kind of ingraining itself? Because the biggest hurdle I see with that is the biggest hurdle is getting the mindset shift, right? Like you're, you, people are used to, uh, always, you know, collecting something physical or they're not used to the new technology that it would entail, right. To do something like that. But uh, the rewards, obviously, in this situation, vastly outweigh the, I think, uh, pitfalls um, and the adoption that would take. I think we're definitely going that way. Um, but what do you? How do you think that that correlates, right, to the old school versus, I guess, a new school type of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? Because purists are going to be purists, and you're going to always have that group of people that. You know, that they don't, I mean, like the, the shops and the, the people that will refuse to get into group breaks because that's not the way it ever was, right? It's not, it's not the way right. it's supposed to be. I think you're going to have that sect of the hobby that just will not accept it. But I, I feel like with so much new blood and a lot of it kind of falling in that same demographic as a typical crypto guy or, you know, someone who can relate to the blockchain theory. I think it's just going to make the adoption that much quicker, that much easier. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think I, I saw a stat that said something like, uh, you know, more people under 30 are investing in, in things like Bitcoin and alternative assets than, you know, it's the, than anything else that they have available to them. So I think it's getting, you know, younger ish as well. So, uh, that's going to lead to innovation and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, it's going to be, I think, easily more adopted because of that, especially if you keep seeing new people come into the hobby that are, uh, and I think it has to do with the age group that you're seeing coming back into the hobby, right? Like, uh, you and I probably are not too far, uh, off in age and 52? I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a young, I'm a young looking 60, (laughs) but, uh, no, but I think, um, you know, the type of people that are coming back into the hobby now are kind of more adaptable to that new technology. And then, you know, the new age that's just starting now is going to be living on technology. So, um, yeah, I agree. I think one of the coolest things that it would allow is, just the authenticity piece, right? Yep. Like we're not even talking really about the fact that you could have a digital collectible because that's a whole different leap in my opinion, but cuz you know, we're used to collecting something physical. But so that's a that's a big mental leap I think that people will have to do as well if, you know, collectibles become digital. Uh but just the fact that you might be able to trace something from inception to its whole life cycle and verify its authenticity and be able to follow its price tracking and all of that kind of stuff and be able to, I mean, just imagine that at a card show, right? Yeah. <laughs> like think about it at a card show. If you're sitting there with a, you have a slab and you can just scan the slab and it'll show you everything you ever wanted to know. And I mean, that's pretty impressive, right? It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. I think that's uh 
that gets me excited to think the hobby could go that direction. I mean, obviously we have to figure out a lot of things. How that, I mean, it's going to impact a lot from group breaking to, you know, walking in to grab something from a, you know, a Walmart or target, like all of that shatters to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so how do you, how would you, how would you get bridge that gap? Right? Like we saw what Panini did with mm-hmm. their blockchain release where you had a, uh, you know, your digital card and you also had a physical card and I'm not quite sure I get what they were trying to do and I appreciate what they're trying to do, but I'm not sure it hits the mark like it would have needed to. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I don't know how you bridge that gap. I really don't. Right. Because I think you're going to run into issues of just the cost of having to produce that. And if you're going to have a physical version of everything, then, well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, what's the point? Then? What's the point? Right. <laughs> exactly. Mean, yeah. So you, you're going to crack. Someone's going to crack it, that. Yeah. In order to do it, then you would have to have the token on the physical version as well. And you would only have to be able to sell one piece of that. Right. Like it would, you couldn't, you couldn't sell the physical, but not the digital. You'd have to sell them both. Right. Like the token transfer would have to be, that would be it. Right. And I think on the Panini release, you were able to sell if I'm not, mistaken you were able to sell the physical piece separate from the digital piece and then and that kind of like breaks the whole model right yeah yeah (laughs) exactly you know what you know what else would be cool like imagine same thing right if you had a digital token of a card and i'm just thinking like off the wall then you had like your digital display case right so you could you hang it up on the wall you scan your qr code (laughs) and your digital card is right there right come on now what what is like, this? I mean, but that that would be it, right? Like that's how you would have to display. You'd have to be able to give that people a way to physically display something digital, right? So like it's a, a holographic version, yeah. Like a digital picture frame, even. I mean, we already have that, but people use that all the time. So if you could just scan your QR code in there and it would display your digital card case, like that, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's possibility as well. It is two thousand and eighty. You're listening to Breaker Culture Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's I mean, that's some next level stuff. I, I, who knows how quickly? I mean, we're, look, we're already we're already heading that direction. Tops, Panini are both trying it. They're going to learn a lot very quickly, I'm sure. It'll be really fascinating to see how quickly the hobby either rejects it or accepts at least some elements of it. It's going to be fun to watch. Do you think? Uh, do you think they'll eventually? I mean, because it all comes down to that, right? If the hobby accepts it or not. I, I think something's going to have to give. Right, because the direction we're going right now cannot continue. Either the bubble pops or something else comes in and disrupts it. And maybe blockchain is what disrupts it. Right. I think you I think you need the bubble to pop for that kind of stuff, right? Like if you if you're just on this crazy trajectory of prices and flipping and and don't get me wrong, I take part in it myself, but the if you just do that, it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And then it's that time where you're in those bear markets or you're in those you know, pullbacks where building and innovation happens. I mean, we saw, I, I definitely saw it in uh, crypto, right? Like that bubble burst in 20, uh, 2017, 2018. And since then it's been build mode and innovate mode. And you've seen so many new things come out that have even led to the possibility to be able to do something with tops and panini and things like that. And I think, you know, this will probably be no different and it'll have to pop for it to evolve. You know what I mean? 
I do. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. but if you're to look back at that period in the Bitcoin world, when the bubble did pop, what, looking back on it now, what were some of the signs that maybe relate to the sports car world? Does anything come to mind as maybe like, oh shoot, we were starting to see this trend or there was a, this mentality that we, we should have caught on to. Sure. Momentum. Uh, I mean, I don't know. What is it you saw? Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, one of the, it's kind of a joke, but it's not really a joke. It's when, you know, when your 72 year year old uncle at Thanksgiving is asking you how to buy uh, <laughs> Ripple, that that's that's a sign that you might be in a bubble. Right? I'm guessing like, that's an alt. Is that an altcoin? So yeah, <laughs> and, and right. And it, so <laughs> exactly right. That's the point. So <laughs> if he was asking you a bit buy Bitcoin, it'd be one thing. But even that, you're, it would be weird, right? But so I think, uh, and I, I'm starting to see it. It's like people who are just getting back into it now are, you know, like out of the blue messaging you or trying to, you know, ask advice about things that would, they were never interested in before. And so again, it goes to why are you, why are they interested in it? And that, like, that's a big red flag for me. So when I start to see that stuff, it's, it's, uh, that's a red flag. And then, you know, the crazy thing like Bitcoin, I think it went from, it broke 10,000 for the first time. And I think in 45 days, it went to uh, 20,000, right? So like that parabolic move um, in it, it, it's, its 10-year lifespan, it took to get to 10,000 and in 45 days, it, it doubled, right? So it's just parabolic, exponential. And I think uh, you would probably agree just based on what I've, what I've heard you say is the market's doing that now. <laughs> Yep. Right. Like I I'll give an example. Like I've been following that the project 2020 very closely because and I actually see parallels for this into like crypto and digital collectibles and art and all that kind of stuff, too. You're mm -hmm. with the project 2020. You're you're really just a step away from that. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's it's art and people are accepting that. So but I mean, these I'm looking at this Mike Trout card. It was the fourth one that came out. It you I mean, you could buy an unlimited amount of them for $20 on Top's website for 48 hours. They printed 2,900. That's how many they sold. The last sale of this went for over $500. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, and you're exactly right. We could we could parallel this with multiple things in the sports car world right now. And there's there's you know there's there's talking heads that are like it's unstoppable. It's gonna keep going. And it's like look. You don't have prism cards four years ago for players that, you know, are on the same level, certain guys selling for 50 bucks. And all of a sudden now we're, you know, we're talking like $3,000 for a Zion silver. It's like that, that is parabolic to its yeah. core. And, and it's then the same thing too with, yeah. uh, kind of what I said about when you, cause you just mentioned talking heads. Uh, it's kind of why I said that thing about, you know, stay away from YouTube <laughs> yeah. because, because that's, that's a big piece. Like, uh, what's the other sign of a bubble is 50 new influencers, right? Yeah. Like uh, that are just that influencers. And so if they're like, what happens if those guys went away tomorrow, are the prices going to do the same thing? And that's something that you have to look at also, right? It's, it's who's buying it. And is it, is it just a game of, uh, 
is it just a game of hot potato or who's left holding the bag? And <laughs> when you're asking yourself that, it, the answer is probably yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I think there's, it's... There's a, there's a crypto term, literally. It's literally in crypto, you're... Uh, you're a bag holder. If you've been, if you're in one of these altcoins that you were in in 2017, and now it's down 99%, you're referred to as a bag holder. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There's going to be a lot of bag holders in sports cards. It's yeah, happening. I think so. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, a personal story, right? I've seen probably um, three or four instances in the last month or so where a close friend or a family member has texted me and said, "Hey, either." have you seen what Gary V saying about sports cards or, Hey, I want to get into sports cards. Tell me which boxes to buy to make the most money from, or how can I flip? Can you get, it's like, Whoa, <laughs> I don't think you know what you just asked. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, so what, well, I mean, obviously Gary V is one of those influencers. What do you, what's your opinion on, on that whole thing? Cause you know, there's basically, it's either good for the hobby or he's not. Where do you stand on it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, th I, I don't think he even thought it would ha it would take off like this, right? Where I mean, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of minions that follow him and do whatever he says, right? Dude, so, dude, he's got charisma and personality. He does. He does. I, every time I see a video of his, I want to run to a wall. <laughs> For sure, man. I saw him at the booth, right? I sat there and watched him interact with yeah. people at the booth, at the national, and uh, I mean, he he attracts people for for genuinely probably the right reasons, right? Because he is passionate yeah. about what he does. And I respect that a lot. Like even the videos he does without sports cards, it just makes you want to hustle, for you know? Sure. So like... For sure. Yeah. No, he, he's, he's a gamer and you gotta, you gotta appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, I think we've gotten way too far ahead of ourselves when, again, when we got cards accelerating this much in value and there's no underlying factor, because like I've said before, supply and demand is not the issue. There's not like a lack of supply or you know, decreasing supply. There's not, there's a, there's a crap ton of some of these cards that are increasing in value mm -hmm. and, and they're not playing sports right now. So there's no performance right. stats. So yeah, right. I mean, we could keep beating um, this, this until it's... And so one of the things that you just reminded me, I was talking to on this podcast that we just did was the potential of, because we, we kind of touched on this, was what, like, you know, what could potentially make a digital collectible go up in value? And there's a potential where you can take real world data, for example, like uh, fantasy numbers or statistics, and apply it to a digital card, right? And there's a... a crypto token that will do that and so like wax could pair with what's called chain link and they could take real life data and apply it to this digital collectible so that way when you know trout wins his you know fifth mvp that card will rightfully increase in value versus you know some maybe some of the stuff that we're seeing now which is just a, like a crazy thing to think about right <laughs> that is crazy but, but that's awesome though right there should be right. some element of intrinsic value right this car right. holds some sort of baseline because of x right and and that that's awesome that that gives you a reason to want to quote invest in cards at that point because it's like look the intrinsic value does increase if this guy puts right. up 27 points a game this year because you're almost buy it's almost like more like buying a stock or or anything like that and then you know that's the other thing that i see i've seen you know it's it's called like security a security token where you could buy a piece of something right like kind of like you buy a stock you buy a share in a company um you could buy a uh 
token that represents a ownership in the Brooklyn Bridge, for example, right? And obviously you can't buy the Brooklyn Bridge. You could buy a piece of it or something of that nature where that might increase in value, right, um, over time. So that's another just piece that not related to sports cards, but it could be. It could be a, it could be anything like that, right? I want the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I would buy a piece of the Brooklyn Bridge. I want Wrigley Field. I want a piece then, of it. And then you scan your token, right? Then you scan your token. It comes up on your digital collectible shelf. <laughs> hey, bro, that's mine. That's my spot. <laughs> Mile marker 35. That's right. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. Um, all right. Well, it's apparent that you and I could probably talk about this for multiple hours. Um, oh, for sure. But for the sake of uh, our listeners dropping off, um, I'm going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions for you. Cool with that? Awesome. Yeah. Okay. I actually stole one of yours for my show one time. Nice. Which one? Do you remember? <laughs> uh, I think it was the what celebrity would uh, would you want to cook you dinner? I like <laughs> Awesome. Very cool. All right. Well, let's see how you do then <laughs> All right. since you ask it. Uh, what's your favorite card in your collection right now? Oh, man. Uh, so I'm looking at them as I am talking to you. I am a big... I, you know, I, I mentioned baseball a bunch of times, but I'm actually a huge Saquon Barkley fan. Um, I was, I'm a Giants fan and I w- am a Penn State alum. So uh, he hits all the, uh, all the, checks all the boxes, checks all the boxes for me. So I have a Saquon Barkley out of 25, BGS 9.5 autographed uh, his rookie like contender where he's actually in the Penn State uniform. So uh, that's my favorite card. That's beautiful. Okay. What non-Bitcoin crypto would you invest in right now? Ooh, dang. That's a hard one. Okay. Um, man, I, I feel like I have to Don't say Ripple. With... Don't say Ripple. Uh, no, no, definitely not. I feel like I have to preface this with uh, hashtag not financial advice. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, there's a really cool project out there called uh, Divi. Um, that's a really cool one to, to check out. Also, I think wax, the, what they're doing with, with tops and all these partnerships, they're wax is like, um, you know, they're doing more than just the project with tops. They're really focused on blockchain gaming. And, um, what that essentially means is like true ownership of your in-game assets, right? So imagine if you, like you were playing Madden and you had all those tokens, right? You would actually own them and they're immutable on the blockchain and they're yours and you can buy, sell, trade them, whatever. And then, you know, eventually the idea would be you don't even realize you're playing a game on the blockchain, but it's all happening in the background. So I think that kind of stuff is really cool as well. Mind blown. (laughs) Right? (laughs) My kids are going to have so much... uh... Oh, what's that game? Minecraft. You know, so many Minecraft, assets in yeah. Minecraft. <laughs> You're gonna, hey, not your not your keys, not your digital sword, right? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, what's your uh, the most influential book you've ever read? Oh my gosh. Oof. So one of the uh, probably most recently, and when I say read, uh, I take that liberally to insert audiobooks. So the uh, I do I in my real life job I did for while I was traveling a lot of driving so I would listen to a ton of audiobooks. Uh, It's actually called Bitcoin Millionaires and that is actually about the uh, 
Winklevoss twins and how they got into uh, it's kind of like the social network after the social network. So if you've ever seen that movie, it's about mm-hmm. them and Mark Zuckerberg. And it's kind of like, OK, what happened to them after and how they became so intro, uh, contra- or influential mm-hmm. in the world of Bitcoin and crypto. And that kind of uh, that one stuck with me recently. I, it was just very motivating for me to kind of uh, hear their story and you know see them kind of overcome all that stuff that happened with them in Facebook. So uh, that that's the most recent one, I would say. So you said Slumdog Millionaire. All right. Slumdog Millionaire. Got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's say let's say cards. Let's say there uh, we have an index value of ten thousand dollars for sports cards right now. It's coming up with something. What would you value that index one year from now? Oof. So you're basically saying, is the bubble going to pop or not? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, right now, I would say, I would say you'd you'd probably double your money. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, I don't know. I I you know I I don't want to say that. <laughs> you did. I did. The way it's going. Yeah, like, it's, it's hard to argue. Follow the trend, yeah. right? Don't argue with it. Follow, Follow the it. trend. Exactly. You don't don't mess. If it ain't broke, don't fix it until it's broke, right? But right. the That's fair. like, I'm telling you. I mean, you're just watching these things happen, and it's it's insane. So there's yeah, a high possibility that's still the case in a year. But I don't beyond a year. If you said ten years, I would probably have uh, you know had a different answer. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Wall I mean, Street. when you see a when mm-hmm. you see a Jason Dominguez first Bowman paper auto go for, I think the current auction on it is over twelve grand. <laughs> it's he's sixteen, and you know it's twelve. It's over twelve grand. It was twelve grand this morning. You it's could insane. buy yourself what ten to fifteen Ronald Acuna's, right? PSA tens <laughs> right now, right? Twenty-one right. year old who's already proven himself. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, well, let's go with the sixteen-year-old. Um, okay, Wall Street, Boiler Room, The Big Short, oh, or Margin Call. Which of those four do you watch right now? It's got to be The Big Short. That's one of my favorite movies uh, of all time. I think, like since I watched it, it's uh, you got to go with I, you got to go with that one. The it's very. It also might be very relevant sometime soon. <laughs> yeah, it's very very true. Yeah, if things keep going the way it is, so uh, I would I would give yourself a watch of The Big Short if you haven't seen it for sure. You watch all four, but definitely watch The Big Short. Oh, for sure, agree. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Especially right. in our, our current economic climate. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll rewatch that Ryan Gosling sales pitch where he's got the Jenga, you know, <laughs> it, and he's, he's pitching Steve Carell. Like that yes. scene to me is one of the best. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So what's the uh, last question for you? What is, which, which one personality do you want to get on your show to interview, but you haven't got on yet? Oh man, that's a really good one. Um, this is, I'm helping I'll, you set big goals here, man. We're going yeah, back to the beginning. I'll, I'll get a, I'll give a, I'll give a two, two answers. One, <laughs> one is just because the dude is into Bitcoin and he literally makes it very known that he will not go on a podcast. So this is the ultimate unattainable Bitcoin guest is uh, William Shatner of all people, <laughs> if you can believe that. And then the other one, I would say. Uh, a, a sports parallel, um, Russell Okung. 
uh, he's a huge Bitcoin guy, like to the fact where or to the point where he wants NFL players to be able to have an option to be paid in Bitcoin. Um, so he would be a really cool person to have uh, on the podcast as well. So I would say those are two current ones. Those are two very unique answers. That is awesome, <laughs> William Shatner. Who would have thunk? He's hey, he's big in the he's big in the Bitcoin, and he literally hates podcasts and podcasters. So we have no shot. But... That's true. Yeah, <laughs> Man, we are very hateable. Let's yeah, be honest. I, I definitely am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bunch you bets. Tell us where to find. Tell sports card collectors where to find you and your podcast. And sure. Know. Absolutely. You can find me personally at Bunchu Bets on Twitter. Uh, you can find the podcast at Rekt, R-E-K-T underscore podcast. However, we're currently suspended from Twitter because my co-host uh, tried to give us our uh, a birth date of our actual first show date and Twitter shut us down for being under 13. So we currently are suspended on Twitter, but wrecked underscore podcast. And then uh, you can also find uh, the break group. If you're interested uh, at on Instagram at the breakery card breaks and at the breakery cards on Facebook as well. All of it in the show notes, all of it in the show notes, the breakery, the breakery, the yep. bakery. I like it. it. Okay. That's, that's what I went for. It's beautiful. I figured <laughs> big pun guy. Yeah. <laughs> You're amazing, dude. Thanks so much for uh, giving me four. You know, what? Gosh, an hour and 15 minutes of your Thank time. Thank you. This was, this was great. Dude, we could have gone for probably two more hours. Part two. <laughs> yep, Part two. Absolutely. Anytime for sure. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good night. Thanks. Ty. Bye. Hey, this is Jeff from Pat Geek. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Breaker Culture. Come check out my show at youtube.com slash Pat Geek. Rip.